Amen, church. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Come on. You're in the house of the Lord today. How are we doing? Amen. Wow, so good to have you guys here. And if I haven't had the opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Chow, and I am one of the pastors here. I'm the Connections Pastor. And today I get the privilege of bringing you week seven of Brother James. So I don't know about y'all, but this series has been such an impact in my life. It's because so practical, and God has been moving. Last week, our pastor Josh talked about a wisdom that builds up. And uh, I actually just got off the phone with him probably about like five, ten minutes ago. And he sends his regards to you guys today. He said that he can't be with us in person. But uh, if you are new here, I encourage you guys to come back next week. Uh, our pastor would love to meet you, and uh, his wife, Pastor Kyra, would love to meet you as well. Uh, but they're joyed that you're in the house of the Lord today. You also want to take this time to welcome our online family as well. We're super sad we can't be with you in person, but we just thank God for the technology that enables us to connect with you in, in your living room, and hopefully you're not in your pajamas at this hour. And uh, get your Bibles out, get your, your, your notebooks, and let's get ready to get into the Word. Week 7, Brother James, you guys ready? Yeah. All right. So last week we closed out on chapter 3, and today we're turning a corner, and we're going to be in James chapter 4. And what I wanted to do as we approach this uh, passage is um, I want to break it down into small chunks at a time. I know different messages, we may have read it all at once, uh, but with this one in particular, James is going to build out a narrative, uh, a theme, if you will, and I think that as we go verse by verse, God's really going to speak to us. And so with that, let's go ahead and read James chapter 4, verse 1, drawing close to God. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Yeet. (laughs) Um... Wow. So right off the bat, James gives us a clue of something that's actually taking place deeper within our hearts. And he forms it through a phrase of questions, through a chain of questions. And I want you to keep in mind that as you're reading scripture, anytime when you encounter a question, really take the time to ponder on it because those questions are meant to invoke a deeper side of complexity or a deeper thought, if you will. And so he asks, these fightings and these strife that are taking place among you guys, where is it coming from? Don't they come from a deeper place on the inside of you that's clashing together? And so that lets us know a key component within our human nature, that we have something on the inside of us that is at war with what we want. And so if you're taking notes, I want you to write this thought down. There is a tug of war within every believer. There is a tug of war within every believer. So there's a side of you that, that wants to please God. There's a side of you that wants to worship God, to sing and to praise him, to fall in his ways. But then there's that other side of you that doesn't want to please God. It wants to rebel with everything that you read through Scripture, and it doesn't want to fall in line uh, with what the Word of God tells us. 
And these two forces are constantly pulling at you on, on, on to go one way or go to the other way. Matter of fact, Paul puts it this way in Galatians chapter 5. It says this, The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And I think last week, Pastor Josh illustrated this, uh, this conflict so well. So if you were here last week, Pastor was just sharing a story how he was on his way to the grocery store, and he saw this lady that was coming in, this older lady, and he had a, a moment to decide, should I wait to open the door for this lady, or should I just go on in and get my groceries and get out to my car? And I wanted to illustrate that story again is because that's actually, to some degree, what we're all experiencing at one, po- at one point or another in our lives is we know we should be doing something, but then there's another side of us that's wanting us to rebel against that. And I wanted to point to your attention as well, too, that not only does the scripture talk about this, even in secular research, secular study identifies this part of ourselves, this this uh, rebellious component in our lives. And so if you're, um, if you're a fan of psychology, how many guys took psychology in high school or, or college? Wow. Is it a requirement? I don't remember. No? <laughs> well, I remember when I took it, um, I didn't really pay too much attention to it. All I remember was uh, Pavlov's dog, and hopefully that rings a bell to you. <laughs> Anywho, um, there's a psychologist by the name of Carl Gustav Jung. He was a great psychologist of the last century. He was a Swiss psychologist, and he was renowned for analytical psychology. And he put out this thesis that um, in each and every human, there's a, a nature within us, and he deemed it as a shadow nature. And left to its own devices, it would cause us to isolate, being a part of a depression. It would cause us to have emotional numbness and an overall feeling of, uh, of unworthiness. And I, think, I, don't, I don't think that's uh, coincidental with what happens when we fall in our sinful nature. We feel isolated, we feel shameful, uh, we have lack of emotions, and we're going through this, this, this battle with the shame. And so James brings us uh, to our attention that this, this duality, if you will, is taking place in every human. And I think a prime example of this would be Simon Peter. And even in his name already, you get a, a sense of that duality, Simon Peter, two first names. And particularly in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, uh, this is a story how Jesus was going around doing his ministry. He was going from town to town, and he was healing people. And his disciples were with him, and he, he asked, he's like, who do people say the Son of Man is? Like, well, some say a prophet, a Elijah. Some people um, say different, uh, different things. And then he turned to his disciples, like, well, who do you say that I am? And then Simon replied, he says, you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And in that moment, Jesus looked at him and says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, son of Jonah, for no human revealed this to you but my Father in heaven. So he said he was blessed. And in the same chapter, two paragraphs down, we have this story. All right? Let's, we actually have it on uh, the screen here. Matthew 16. 
this was when Jesus was telling he had to go crucify, be crucified. And then Peter was like, no, far be it from you. Jesus responded. Jesus turned around and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> you are an obstacle in my way because these thoughts of yours do not come from God, but from human nature. Man, do you guys ever feel like that? One moment you're, 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 you're walking with the Lord, you're hitting the home runs, and then in a, in a, in a blink of an eye, you're, you're striking out. You're singing 10,000 reasons at church, and then you're on 270 and a guy cuts you off. You know, we always got to bring it back to 270 because it's a thorn in my flesh. But so, really though, that, that is a part of who we are. We have this side of us that we don't particularly like, and you may be asking yourself, well, well didn't God create me? Am, am I not formed in his image? What I want to present to you is that because of the fall from Adam and Eve in the garden, we have inherited this thing called a sinful nature. The Bible calls it the flesh. David even puts it in the Psalms where he says, for I was sinful at birth from my mother's womb. And so, and the reason being is because when Adam and Eve, when they bit the fruit, that sinful nature has passed down all the way down to us. And I want to make a clear distinction that when we believe in Jesus, our, our souls are saved, but we are still living in, in our body, in the flesh. And so it's called justification when you believe in Christ and you're justified before God. And the process of becoming like Christ, which we're all in right now, is called sanctification. And it's not until we reach what uh, theology says glorification, when we shed off this sinful nature, um, is when we really come into the completeness of what Christ is taking to us. And so if you want to read more, discover more about um, just the, the new bodies when we're not able to uh, be tempted to sin anymore, you can write down uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 or 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Those are uh, amazing chapters on, on the new nature, the new body that we're going to take, that's going to take place. All right? And so that therein lies the tension for today, however, because now that we know that we all have this sinful nature part of ourselves, the tension lies that we can't hide it from God, right? We can easily hide it from, from our neighbors, for, from the people around us, our spouses, our family, but we can't hide it from the Lord. And if you notice, within the garden when Adam and Eve fell, one of the first things that they did was they, they, they hid from the Lord. But that, that is the conflict there is because no one can hide from God. Uh, Hebrews 4, 13 puts it this way. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one to whom we are accountable. We are accountable. And so James, right off the bat in this passage, let us know that he is aware of our brokenness and that he is aware that we have this innate part of ourselves that left out of control can cause chaos and, and destruction around us. And so what I want to do is I want to deliver a message to you guys today entitled, Drawing Close to God. Drawing Close to God. How to draw close to God in spite of our brokenness. How to draw close to God in spite of our brokenness. And so the first handle that James gives us is to draw close to God through prayer. Draw close to God through prayer. Let's actually go back to verse 2 over here. He says that you want 
what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Here it is. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. You don't ask God for it. And so prayer is such a, a, a vital role within our Christian walk is because it's a form of communication with the Lord. Because when we ask God for what we need, that's a part of prayer, but we're missing out on uh, the whole spectrum of prayer. And so what I want to do is I want to bless your life with just um, some handles on how you can really grow in your prayer life uh, if you haven't been having a life of prayer already. But I think a great place to start is to define what prayer is. So essentially, prayer is a dialogue between you and God. It's a dialogue between you and God. It's communication between you and the Lord. And an illustration of it could be you getting away by yourself, asking God for what you need, thanking him for all that he's done, and then listening to his voice. And I think oftentimes we, we miss that key component at the end there where we say, God, thank you for this, blue, this food, bless his food, in Jesus' name, amen, right? And then that's our prayer for, for the day. Or God, thank you for the day, bless me, and then you fall asleep. We're, we're laughing because we've been there, right? I've been there. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't had a moment to really get away uh, by yourself, to be in the presence of the Lord, to pray, and then to stop and to be still and listen, God can impart something into you. But however, herein lies the tension as well, because oftentimes when we, we fall, when we stumble, when we fail, I'll be the first to admit, the last thing that I want to do is approach the Lord. The last thing that I want to do is to come to God, because I'm, I'm feeling this shame and I'm feeling this guilt. However, I want to give you a passage that's going to set you free today, because you're going to know the characteristics or the mindset of God. And so this is found in Matthew chapter 9, verses 12 to 13. And mind you, uh, our, our Christian faith is we believe that Jesus was God in the body, right? In, um, in the Bible, it tells us that for the fullness of God was made alive in Christ. And so when you see Jesus, that's the nature of God. Verse 12, when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture, I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. Here it is. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. Come on, we can celebrate the word of God there. My brother Omar, give me life over here. If you guys can see him in the front row, he's like headbanging to like every... <laughs> God speaking to him. But... That, that, that lets us know something, that in light of our imperfection, God still seeks a relationship with us. In light of our brokenness and our failures, God desires to be with us. And so let me ask you a question. Is it possible to build a relationship with somebody without spending time with them? Yes or no? Impossible, right? Is it possible to say, I want to draw close to God, but I don't want to talk to him? I want to draw close to God, but I don't want to spend time. I don't want to talk to him. It's impossible. And so I want, to, I want to ask you, when was the last time that you really got intentional with the Lord? When was the last time that you got away from, from the busyness of life, get into your inner closet, get into your inner room, go to the mountaintop, wherever you're alone, where God can really speak to you? 
And you know, one of the values that you know I have in my house, as my house, I'm referring to me and my wife Krizia here. Give it up for Krizia, everybody. Yeah, one of the values that we have, because one of the things that our pastor has taught us is that when you are married and when you have a family, one of the most important things to do is establish values in your household. And one of the values that we have is intentionality slash feedback. And so essentially that's, that's just communication for us. And so what we do is on Friday nights, we always fight for our date nights. And it's during these times that we share our wins, our worries, our weights, and really communicate with one another. Because how many of you know that you could be next to a person, you could be with them, you could be in the car, you could be watching a movie, but there's no intentionality, right? And so it's the same with our faith walk. You know, going to a church is a great thing, going to small groups is a great thing, but that isn't necessarily intentionality with the Lord. And so I want to challenge you this week, if you feel like you're slipping or, if you, or you have slipped, this is the time to press in, to get alone with the Lord, to pray, to get in his word, and allow him to speak to you. Okay? That's your challenge for this week. Come on, we celebrate that. All right, Pastor Chow. That sounds all good and dandy. But I've been praying. I've been speaking to the Lord. I've been locking myself in my closet for two years. Where is he? Well, I want to encourage you guys with this. James has given us a handle for that if he hasn't been showing up, Okay. This, uh, this may be an encouragement to you if you haven't seen God move up. He says it here in verse 3. And even when you ask, you don't get because your motives are all wrong. Your motives are all wrong. So what does that let us know? That's the, that lets us know that we should align our motives with God's motive. All right, once again, align your motive with God's motive. And practically speaking, there are benefits to alignment, right? Practically. You think of a car. If your car is misaligned, what is it going to do? It's going to cause unnecessary wear and tear. It's going to cost you more money in the long run because you've got to replace your tires, your fuel economy. And so um, another example could be even the Olympic Games, if you're watching the games right now. Uh, archery is a fun sport to watch. I think uh, South Korea right now is, is in the lead for most medals. But they spend hours and hours and hours aligning their scope and their sights because that literally can make the difference between taking home gold and then missing the mark entirely. And so it's the same with our faith walk, is we have to align our motive with God's motive. Well, what is motive, right? Let's go and define motive. Motive is the reason for doing something. The reason for doing something. And so the question now becomes, now that we know that we have to align our reason to do something, how do we figure out God's motive? And the easiest way to figure out God's motive is to get with this right here, the Word of God, the Word of God. Because what you're going to discover is that when you read the the Bible, specifically the Gospel of Christ, you're going to be able to see what God has done throughout history. And specifically, when you go to the Gospels, you're going to examine how Jesus lived his life. And if we can examine how Jesus lived his life, we can deduce a motive. So I'm, I'm a big fan of like mysteries, uh, movies, and all that, like detective work. And every movie, when there's a detective, one of the first things that they have to find is the motive. Because when you discover the motive, you literally have a different perspective on the entire crime scene right? And it's a crime that we don't see God's motive to begin with. 
within our lives. And so that's why I want to encourage you with get into his word, ask him to give you his thoughts and his perspective. And the reason being is because when you, when you get his thoughts, his perspective, or his motive, that has the power to change your life. It has the power to change your life. You know, in the realm of psychology, uh, your thoughts are so powerful is because your thoughts, whatever you put into your mind, whatever you think about, affects your emotions. And we're humans that act out of our emotions, right? When we're sad, we, we tend to do things that, um, that come inside with being sad. So whatever you put into your mind will affect your emotions, which will in turn affect your behavior. And so starting with the word of God is going to be so powerful for that. Um, yeah, so to cap it off, before we move on to the next handle, draw close to God through prayer and align your motives with him and see how God is going to bless you as you carry that into your week. All right, let's go ahead and keep on reading James chapter 4, and we're going to go on to verse 4 through 7. You guys doing okay? Yeah. All right. You adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? So right off the bat, James is using a illustrative um, catch-all, if you will. He's bringing to your attention. He's sparking, oh my goodness, he just called me adulterers. It was a homage to what the prophets said about the children of Israel or the nation of Israel. So when they said, when they see adulterers, they would refer back to the prophets, okay? It says this, if you want to be friend, be a friend of the world and friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And so the second handle that James gives us on drawing near to God in despite of our brokenness is to draw close to God through humility. To draw close to God through humility. And I think humility is a a fascinating subject is because when you say humility, you think of a lot of different things. And humility is so close to false humility that if you're not able to distinguish the two, you can get it convoluted together. For example, if you're in a small group setting, if you're in a meeting, if you're in a discussion, um, and people are going around and and they're talking, uh, humility from the surface might look like, I'm just going to remain quiet to let other people speak, uh, to not get the limelight on me. Uh, But there's a backside of you that's saying, well, I don't want to say anything dumb, and hopefully someone else says something that will point out their flaws, and it's masking my flaws, right? That's false humility. But true humility is, man, I'm, I'm quiet because I'm eagerly wanting to know what the other person says. And so you see, in both circumstances, you're being quiet, but one is true humility and one is false humility, okay? And so James tells us that we are to grow in being humble. And I wanted to give you guys one of the definitions for humility since we're on that subject. Humility is recognizing your flaws and allowing others to help you through the process. Humility is recognizing your flaws and allowing others to help you through the process. 
And I think to some degree that's why we love kids so much, we love children so much, is because they don't mask their emotions or their flaws. When they're happy, they're happy. When they're sad, they're sad, and they'll let you know it. Parents, can I get an amen? Yeah. Elena right now, like, you know it when she wants another cracker. Like, she'll, she'll go on a tantrum, she'll go on a rage, and she doesn't hide that area in her life, right? And I think we're drawn to that because it's, it's authentic, yeah. and we're drawn to authenticity. And I, I wanted to share just a, a brief story. Um, when I first came to, to, to faith and when I first came to Jesus, uh, we were living in Florida at the time, uh, my wife and I, and we were going to a church called Real Life. And that's actually where I met Pastor Josh and, and Chris, our creative director. And uh, what happened was I, I went to church. Uh, a, a handsome young man came out and said, hey, I have a connection card. I need you to fill out this card if you're new here. And I did not want to fill it out at all most like some of you here today. Not you, your neighbor. So I eventually filled it out, and I got a phone call probably about a week or so later afterwards, and Pastor Josh was like, yeah, I want to get to know your story, know who you are. Come catch some coffee with me. I was like, you know what? I don't know anyone here because I just moved here to Florida. I'd love to get coffee with him. So we, we went to Starbucks, and just speaking with uh, Pastor Josh at the time, I knew this guy was unique. I knew he was different because he was intently listening in, and he was genuinely interested about me and my story. And not only that, but every so often he would interject, you know, some wisdom or some faith or some scripture. I was like, you know what? I can really open up to this guy because, you know, I'm newer to my faith, and I'm wrestling with some things that I know that I shouldn't be doing, but I don't know what to do about them. So I said, Pastor, this is what I'm dealing with right now. I have no idea what to do. Help me on out. And so he approached it with no judgment. He pointed me to the word. He gave me encouragement. And then he gave me accountability as well. And so I want to encourage you that a huge part of your breakthrough and drawing near to God is through people. Okay? And so if we don't have the humility to open up, to let your spiritual leaders know what's going on, you can't get that, that, that help that God wants to give you, okay? And I want to let you know that Highlight Church, I believe, is, is a healthy church full of different leaders that pass no judgment, that will point you to the Word of God, that will walk with you in every single season that you're going through. And so if you are new here and you haven't had that connection, filling out that connection card is, is key because we want to get you plugged in uh, with the people that can, can help you because uh, you deserve it. You guys deserve it. I believe it. All right? And so that's the platform of humility is recognizing that you have flaws and you're letting people know. But I want to bring your attention. There is also a bigger form of humility, one of the uh, – you build on top of it. And so one of the, uh, the purest form of humility, humility in its purest form, is getting past your self-seeking desires and putting others first. Humility in its purest form – is getting past your self-seeking desires and putting others first. Philippians 2, verses 3 to 4 says this, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Take an interest in others too. So what that tells us is that in your faith walk, at a certain point, you're going to hit a capacity. You're going to hit a certain limit when it's just focused on you, when you focus on yourself. And I don't know about y'all, but it's so exhausting when it's me, 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 I, 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 this, this, this. Like, and that's why I'm so passionate about the church. 
specifically our church, is because we have an environment where you can actually use the gifts that God has given you to serve people, to help people, to pray for people, to be the voice of hope in dark times. Come on. And that's that superhero that's on the inside of you. Because just as much as there's that dysfunction, that sinful nature, there's also a hero inside of you. And the key is you have to find environments and the right people to bring that out of you, to draw that side of you that wants to be hope, that wants to be the the image and the voice of hope for other people. And with that, I think heading into Highlight the City, this is such a great time to put on that superhero cape, to serve our city, to actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so if you're in here, you're on the fence of, man, should I serve or not serve? What did Philippians just say here? Right? Count others as more important than yourself. Be a blessing to other people. And this is a stark contrast of what the Bible calls selfish ambition. Right? That's one of the, uh, the, the fruits of our sinful nature is when it's our selfish ambition. Psychology calls that narcissism. Right? Um, I think to some degree we all fall in the line of narcissism somewhere. Some of us are just more high-functioning than, than others, if you will, right? But being empathetic and serving other people will draw you out of that state, okay? All right. So one more handle, church, that James gives us. You guys ready? All right. James 4, verses 8 to 10, in conclusion. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. You know, church, there are some topics in the Bible that we really can't dance around. You know, we can be encouraging as, 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 as much as we can, but there's some stuff that God lays out so plainly in here that we just have to face it. And it takes a layer of humility to face that. And so I wanted to just bring to your attention today, what is that one area where God is calling you to give to him? What is that area in your life that you know you need to turn away from. And I'm willing to believe that your breakthrough is going to come in this moment right now. Because when you have faith to give it to God, He can work through whatever season, whatever struggle that you're in. And church, I know from the bottom of my heart that that struggle isn't easy. It's hard to do the right things, especially when no one's around. But I want to encourage you that that God's with you in that moment. He hasn't abandoned you. And not only that, but he wants you to come to him in spite of your brokenness. And he's given you a community of people to help you through the process. And he's given you a platform to put others first in your life. And the hopes is that you're going to find your healing through the process. And I just feel... Maybe it's someone on our online audience as well, that the word that you need today is that his grace is sufficient. His grace is sufficient. But even though we have his grace, it's difficult. It's hard to accept that. The last verse I want to point out to you in that, in that struggle, 
Romans chapter 7, verses 21 to 25. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. And this power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me, my sinful nature. What a miserable person that I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The answer is Jesus, brothers and sisters. There's no way that we can wrestle this side by our power, but it's through what Jesus done for us on the cross. And what the Bible tells us is that when we believe the message of the cross that Jesus died for our sins, God doesn't see our sin anymore. He doesn't see our struggle anymore, but he sees the perfection of his son. And so maybe you're in here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. You never accepted him and accepted his grace. And we as a church, we want to give you this opportunity to accept the Lord. Or if you've been struggling in that one area and today you want to come back to the Lord, this is going to be your opportunity. And what I want to do, church, is I want all of us to close our eyes and bow our heads. And I want us to all pray this prayer together in support of those that may, may be praying this prayer for the first time. All right, say this with me. Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. I believe you lived a sinless life and died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave to give me purpose. I accept your Holy Spirit. I accept your grace. Make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, put your hands together.